Do you ever wonder why God has chosen you to be his? Sometimes the choices of God seem strange to us. For example, God chose Jacob rather than Esau to carry the covenant forward through a generation. This is Monday, December 5th, and we're starting week two of our Advent study called The Geography of Grace. Let me tell you a little bit about Esau. He was a brawny man, a man's man, you might say, strong and capable. But Jacob, on the other hand, stayed in the tents of his family. He was soft. And add to this, he was a cheater, a liar, and a thief. So if we were choosing, well, we'd pick Esau. He has the strength, and his character is certainly a better fit for God's plan. But God chose Jacob. <laughs> Go figure. Maybe you have seen the movie Legends of the Fall. The movie is an adaptation of the book by Jim Harrison with the same title. The story follows the three sons of William Ludlow. Their names are Alfred, Tristan, and Samuel. And the story is set on the family ranch in remote Montana. And right away, the favorite of those boys is Tristan, the middle one. He's the outdoorsman, the one that wears a claw from a bear around his neck, and the one who knows how to hunt and fish. His younger brother Samuel dies during the war, and Alfred finds success of his own in politics. But the reality is that wherever Tristan goes, he brings life and excitement. He is the man that it seems every woman would fall in love with. He's a man of the world, and untamed for sure. I won't spoil the story by telling you how it all turns out, but suffice it to say that our world works in many ways like that story. There are people that get all the attention, people that others are drawn to. But as we see the way God chooses, God doesn't work this way at all. Here's what we're told about Jesus from Isaiah chapter 53, verse 1 to 2. Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. Yes, here is the description that the prophet Isaiah gives for the Messiah. This is God's servant. And notice, he would not be the most attractive person in the room, and people would not naturally be drawn to him. He would be an ordinary man. Now, we live in an age where the pressure to stand out can be overwhelming. and the crafting of our own identity, we have to be seen and recognized and hopefully esteemed. But the whole story of the coming of Jesus is the story of how God uses that which is ordinary and seemingly insignificant. God doesn't choose the way we choose or see things the way we see things. God sent Jesus. And he grew up in Nazareth. And Nazareth was a place of no particular importance. It was a small town located in the heart of the Galilee region of Israel. The prophets didn't even mention this place. It was not important at all. But Jesus came to live there with his parents. He grew up there. And he ran his small business there until his public ministry began. I love the way the words 
of prose written by James Allen Francis tell us about the life of Jesus. This is what he said. He, that's Jesus, was born in an obscure village, the child of a peasant woman. He grew up in still another village where he worked in a carpenter shop until he was 30. Then for three years, he was an itinerant preacher. He never wrote a book. He never held an office. He never had a family or owned a house. He didn't go to college or have any formal education. He never traveled 200 miles from the place where he was born. He did none of the things one usually associates with greatness. He had no credentials but himself. He was only 33 when the tide of public opinion turned against him. His friends ran away. He was turned over to his enemies, and he went through the mockery of a trial. He was nailed to a cross between two thieves. While he was dying, his executioners gambled for his clothing, the only property he had on earth. When he was dead, his body was laid in a borrowed grave through the pity of a friend. Twenty centuries have come and gone, and today he is the central figure of the human race and the leader of, the, of mankind's progress. All the armies that have ever marched, all the navies that have ever sailed, all the parliaments that have ever sat, and all the kings that have ever reigned put together have not affected the life of human beings on earth as much as that one solitary life. You see, for us, we find it extraordinary that God would use the ordinary, that God would work through the simple and unremarkable. But this is who God is and the way he works in the world. And the good news is that we know that God also works in and through us. We know why he has sent Jesus to us. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that we can come before you in prayer and our ideas of greatness miss the point of what life is all about. Thank you for sending Jesus into our lives and to our world. Teach us your ways, O Lord, and guide us by your Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.